Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use the promo code DNVR25 to get 25% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And joining us, as has become our weekly custom, is the voice of the Colorado Rockies on ATT Sportsnet and the host of the Drew Goodman podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's Drew Goodman. There's, we need, uh, that's where we need the big cheer sound yeah. effect. Yeah, the, you know what? Yeah, because I listen to um, PTI a lot, which I you know I love Will Bonnet and Kornheiser, and when sure. someone fills in, and a lot of times it's uh, it's fill in Frank, right? It's, uh, it, it's uh, Frank, uh, what's Frank's last name? I, uh, oh man, I'm going to butcher it. I, Frank, okay, Sonia? Um, yeah, exactly. He, yeah, he's he's great. Love Frank, but it's Phil and Frank, and they have the uh, you know the the golf clap that takes place and whatever. So uh, thank you for that. We'll have to add add a golf clap. How y'all doing, man? Doing well. Hanging in there. Uh, the weather has not been kind to us uh, in, in in any shape or form. We had the rain out on on Monday. Weird doubleheader on the getaway day on Wednesday. So we're essentially going to have three games in quite literally the span of 24 hours. Yeah. I kind of like these seven-inning doubleheaders. Not a ton of them, but I like them periodically. There's there's a, there's an expedience to it, and there's a different type of feel. Like you roll into the fifth inning in a nine-inning game, you're like, okay, let's try to get – all of a sudden there's urgency. We talked about this, right? There's urgency now when you get to the fifth inning in a seven-inning game, and I, um, I, I think it's a nice little change of pace. So, not not the worst thing in the world. But I'm with you. It, it, we always feel this way this time of year. It's like, okay, let I don't need to wake up on May 11th to a couple of inches of snow on the ground. Let's kind of put that in the rearview mirror. Let's get into the 80s. Let's go to the pool. Let's uh, wear t-shirts. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get through this uh, at the very least, you know, lots of baseball in a short period of time. Like Patrick said, uh, not a lot of snow on the ground out in St. Louis uh, with the Colorado Rockies wrapping up that, that three game series there. I've got to turn the question that uh, every radio show I've been on and every Rockies fan has been asking me in the last three days, which is how weird was that for you? Because you had to broadcast the, the thing you've had a, obviously a different uh, relationship and a closer relationship to Nolan Arenado than most people in the broadcast and press world. And so what was that like going in for you and, and seeing those games and broadcasting those games, watching him in a different uniform after all these years? I think, I think weird's a, you know, an appropriate term and it's one he used after the Friday game you know, he, he, he obviously was prepared for it, but you never know what it's going to feel like and look like. I'm talking about from Nolan's standpoint. Um, and, you know, he went out there and he said, you know, there, there's the Rockies dugout and their story and there's black men and, and they're a few feet away. And that's the jersey and the colors he wore his entire uh, professional career until a couple of months ago. And so he said it was weird. And I thought he was, you know, he wasn't, at all flippant in his in his responses i thought he was you know they were they were you know deep and and somewhat revealing thoughts that yeah it was strange and um 
you know, and then once the game started, you know, you're playing and, and obviously the double helped him. I really, I'm going to be very frank. I, I thought that the weekend for Nolan, and I'll, and I will answer your question about from my perspective, which is less important, but um, I thought it could go two ways. I thought, you know, could Nolan press and especially let's say he had a couple of tough at bats early and punched out. I mean, it, it could be a, a long weekend, right? Um, which, which you'd understand. And if he had some success, you know, he could really do a lot of damage. It kind of was, I don't want to call it in between because he had a good weekend. I mean, he had four hits over the weekend. He hit a homer naturally in a t- in what turned out to be a low-scoring game on Sunday. He had a couple doubles and a single. Um, he had a couple of, you know, good defensive plays. Uh, so he, all in all, Nolan played well. And, and, you know, listen, St. Louis swept the Rockies. The Rockies have been miserable on the road, 2-14. and 14. From my standpoint, you know, there's the natural familiarity, and, and you know, we, we end up at times calling these guys by their first name, not only because, um, you know, you have a relationship with them. Typically, in normal times, you're seeing them day to day. You travel with them, and and, and even though you you may not be breaking bread with them or or whatever, but they're people you know, and and they're people at you know that at home feel like they know them. That's Nolan. That's Charlie. That's Trevor. And so, as as often as you call them story, you may more frequently call them by their first name. And and I thought about that, and I didn't want to become so distant and pretend oh. You know, this guy's now Arenado, you know, full time. So I called him Nolan quite a bit. And I, you know, and I, I tried to portray it as as what it was. It was weird. It was different. And this is a guy who's an all time Rocky and will always be an all time Rocky. And now he's wearing a Cardinal uniform. And, um, you know, the Cardinals right now are in a, in a better place than the Rockies. That happens in sports. And we know how we arrived here. And we're not going to, uh, you know, re. Uh, you know, re-debate it, if you will. But um, I'm sure for everyone involved, maybe most notably Nolan, they're glad that this is in the rearview mirror. And it'll listen, it'll it'll rear its head again, maybe more so when it comes to Denver, because then the fans will have a say in, um, you know, in honoring him. I can't imagine anybody booing him. So I think the interesting point about what, you know, Arenado's weekend was like because you. I think if you were to to bet on it, you you might go with the extremes that either he would press too much and get himself in a little slump, one hit and twelve at bats, or maybe he would go like six for for twelve uh, with three home runs, a walk off, something on that extreme. And he was he was in the middle. It, he was still very good. He was five for twelve, two doubles in, in the home, as you said. But it was kind of again in the middle. It wasn't one of those extremes uh, like we're kind of prone to see. And so it was, I guess, you know, maybe some maturity on, on his part of, of being a little bit more relaxed and saying, yeah, this, this is one of the bigger moments that he's had in his career, I guess, is going against the the Rockies. And I think when he comes back to Coors Field, that'll, that'll be another thing. But uh, it was an interesting weekend. Gomber actually pitched a lot better. Uh, He was back in St. Louis. He pitched a lot better than I think the, the line shows, you know, did have seven strikeouts, no walks. I thought that was, uh, a moment for him because he might have been a little anxious on opening day or his first start, right? And you say, all right, maybe the jitters got to him uh, again going back to St. Louis. But I definitely think he he learned something from that initial start at, at Coors Field. 
I, Patrick, I, I agree with you 100%. The line, and, and, and I appreciate what he said after. He goes, listen, at the end of the day, we lost. And um, I'm paraphrasing, you know, we're in the business of winning. So therefore, it's average. And he wasn't happy with it. But um, there were significant strides. It didn't look at all like uh, the Dodger game. And he did punch out seven. I thought he had an outstanding curveball. Uh, you know, he fell behind Flaherty three and one. He hits one out. Um, there was the, the breaking ball that, that Bader just hit over the wall. Um, he probably pitched better than what the final results were. Um, but, you know, the Rockies, other than the middle game, they 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 struggled to score uh, on the road. But I did think, uh, to your observation, I did think he made, uh, you know, significant strides uh, earlier. And he handled the emotion of pitching against St. Louis, against uh, against Nolan. I wanted to ask you one last question about the Cardinals series because this had to be an interesting weekend for us. We insist on calling him. It's one word on this podcast, Connor Joe, <laughs> because Nolan is the headline story, A, B, and C. And then we've got this whole Gomber element. And then you've really got, you know, Rockies versus Cardinals, baseball games and winning and where are these two teams going to end up? Little Matt Adams seasoning in there. Oh yeah. You got, you got big city coming back. So you've got everyone focused on all this stuff. And here comes Connor Joe just saying, you know what? I'm just trying to prove I belong in the bigs. You know, former first round pick hasn't had uh, the, tr- the the journey that you'd hope for, you know, that, that smooth sailing to the bigs, the testicular cancer, of course, we've talked about on this. And then coming back, getting uh, not only his first base hit in a couple of years, but really just the calm, collected at bats, the walks, the good defense, the just looking like you belong out there with everyone paying attention to everything else going on. I thought that was really cool. He did have good at bats, don't you? Don't you think, Drew? I mean, he really—I thought, you know—he had the one sharp hit, but he had a couple other balls he hit hard. He—he he, in the baseball vernacular, he spit on some close pitches. He looked comfortable at the plate, and he looked the really looked like a guy that's you know had fifteen hundred at bats in the big leagues at the plate. I don't want to go overboard. Let's see what what happens with it. But he didn't look nervous. He didn't look overmatched. Um, so now he's probably going to get some more opportunity. I, I know that I think Buddy really likes having the Matt Adams card to pull off the bench late in games. Not saying Matt won't get a, a start here and there, but you know CJ Crone's gone on the ten day injured list yesterday with the back spasms. They couldn't clear it up enough to uh, to you know have him avoid that. So Connor Joe's going to get an opportunity, and uh, let, let's see where he goes with it because. It's a word that I've used with you guys. It's a word I've used on my own podcast. It's a word I've used, I think, fairly frequently with uh, the television broadcast on AT&T, and that is this is a season of opportunity for a great number of guys. And, and, and though Connor Joe didn't break uh, camp initially with the big club, this is an opportunity for Connor Joe. Appreciate you saying the full name. Connor Joe. Because it's Connor Joe. Connor Joe. <laughs> you got to love it. Connor Joe uh, from Poway, California. Right? University love of San Diego. It. University of San Diego. Turned down the Stanford Cardinal. Right. Which, which reminds me of Patrick Lyon's story, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, turned down Stanford. 
Uh, was that Stanford, Connecticut? I can't remember. Do was there? Stan, it, it was Stan. Stan it was oh, Actually, it was Stanford in, in the Deep South. Sam Stanford. Stanford. Was well. It was a bowling scholarship, though. To be fair, it wasn't for baseball. Uh, so, so we do on this day. We toast our Breck Brews and our Breck Celtics to Connor Joe and uh, his season debut and really solid series, and to everybody else who went out there and played baseball with all the drama and all the lights on them, and reminded us why we love the entertainment of the game and all these extra storylines that come with it. Just like Breck Brew and Breck Celtics is the perfect companion to watching your baseball game, and of course, you know. You get a bigger Breck brew when you come down to the DNVR bar if you're a member of the family. Become a member today by subscribing to the DNVR.com. Just go there, get that annual subscription. You'll get start getting discounts all the time on hats and shirts and masks, that bigger beer at the DNVR bar, access to the Discord channel. You get also for that annual a free shirt from the DNVR locker and a free holistic stick from our friends at Holistic Wellness. Check them out at H-O-L-I-S-T ik.com or wellness.com holisticwellness.com uh, and use the promo code dnvr30 to get 30 percent off after they send you again that free 10 milligram cbd pack just for becoming a member of the family here at the dnvr you got to get it done we really do appreciate each and every single one of you for becoming a member of the family all right uh did want to talk to you about a little bit of current news coming across the wire as they say hot off the presses is that still do, do we have you know well <laughs> you know it works for me so uh jeff passen whose name i've finally started saying correctly after patrick has <laughs> by the way who's your favorite pitcher on the san francisco giants drew anthony Giants. He got it. He got it. He nailed it. Oh, Disclafani. Absolutely. Disclafani. Or Disco. You got to get a running start. Disco's, yeah. Disco's the easier one. Totally. Uh, Yeah. So Passon tweets, the Oakland A's will start exploring relocation possibilities after Major League Baseball suggested the organization consider moving to other cities if the Howard Terminal Stadium proposal is not approved by local politicians. Uh, He also says, while the A's have expressed that uh, remaining in Oakland and building a $12 billion mixed-use development is their priority, the standstill of the project prompted today's move. The leading contender, if the A's do move, according to Jeff Passan, Las Vegas. Plenty of other cities would welcome the team too, he says. Yeah, and I, I did a little quick homework on, on that story, and this has been ongoing um, for years. And in fact, um, I, I remember last time the commissioner was on our broadcast a couple of years ago uh, when he was, you know, coming through uh, town and we had talked to him. And I can't remember it was on the air or off the air um, because he definitely wants to see Major League Baseball expand to 32 teams. Imagine what the ticket, the, the price tag is going to be on that. It's going to be probably north of a couple billion dollars uh, to, to get in. And there, there's some you know, outstanding North American cities that will be strong candidates when you have expansion. But he had said, and he, I think he's certainly on record, that he wants to work out the situations. And this goes back a couple of years ago. To, he wants to work out the situation in Oakland. He wants to work out the situation in Tampa, Tampa. With, with stadiums. 
specific to Oakland, um, you know, long history. I mean, think about, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little older than you guys, but I remember, you know, the great A's teams and, and uh, you know, the, the Mets taking on the A's in, in 73 and losing in seven games. The A's had won a couple of championships and, you know, Reggie Jackson and, and Blue Moon Odom and Bite of Blue and Sal Bandom. These were historic. Oh, good, right, Rudy, yeah. Catfish uh, Hunter, Rudy. Raleigh Fingers. Yeah, Raleigh Fingers. I mean, these were Jim Catfish Hunter, the late Jim Catfish Hunter. These were historically great teams. They have a great baseball history. So – and the best I, I would, uniforms, I, and and I'm sorry, yeah, and I love unis, purple, man. but the best. I, uniforms I don't want to see basically. them. Um, I don't want to see them lose their their franchise. However, this has been ongoing for a long period of time, and at some point, you got to draw a line in the sand. And I understand why Commissioner Manfred is doing that. Um, what I what I read moments ago is that the A's are willing to. Uh, uh, basically come up with a billion dollars to to fund the project they're looking for in the neighborhood of 850 million from you know the city the county thusly the the taxpayers and we'll see where it goes now uh, to what you said you know if they were to move if it is Las Vegas I've done games at Cashman Field and the ball flies out of there and it's windy and we know the summer situation and so on. The other candidates, and, and these will ultimately be candidates for when, when baseball expands, and I think a fascinating group of cities and, and really, you know, world-class cities, uh, you know, Vancouver, BC. Uh, I was so bummed when I was doing the NBA and, and they left Vancouver yeah. uh, for Memphis. The Grizzlies did because I just love going to Vancouver. I, I don't know if you guys have ever been up there. It is Flat out gorgeous. Um, so I, I would be, I'd be in favor. Um, Montreal, Montreal has, has made a push the last bunch of years, as you guys know, to, to get back into Major League Baseball. They need a new stadium. It wasn't, you know, Stad Olympic is 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 a no go. Um, I'm all about our our brethren to the north getting a team again. You know, there's Portland, Oregon. There's Nashville, which is, I mean, how fast has Nashville grown the last? you know, 10, 12 years. So um, there, there are other really, I think, interesting cities as candidates um, and nothing against Las Vegas, um, but in, in addition to, shall we say, but let's, let's see how it plays out in Oakland. And then, you know, then they, they have to resolve that thing down in Tampa. Also great baseball team. We always talk about how they do more yeah. with less than any team in baseball, but if you've ever been to the trop, that's a, the mausoleum man of baseball Mm -hmm. Closely followed by, you know, the Oakland Alameda Coliseum. Yeah, it's, so. it's definitely not not a, a pretty ballpark. And, and you're right, baseball has to sort those situations out first. I mean, again, it's that's the business of the game is you get the you get the teams, the stadiums that they need, and then you can go ahead and branch out. And and you know, the interesting thing with the Oakland situation is uh, they're they're the last professional team in that town right after the golden state warriors moved across the bay and uh their their oracle arenas um in in san francisco they're they're the last ones that are there las vegas uh as you mentioned cashman field which is crazy because the ball does fly out of there and it's only like two thousand feet above sea level but that's well, like the original coors field in in so many ways right they, they did just get a new stadium for uh the triple a las vegas aviators uh which i did think was strange that they they built a new ballpark with kind of MLB right on the precipice. Uh, I think that's about 18,000 
uh, for that stadium. Of course, they would have to build something new. Uh, but Charlotte is is another one of those potential cities. Uh, I've heard San Antonio, but I don't I don't believe that one quite as much. I don't love that one. I Not mean, on either. Charlotte, I though, I, I think could could be uh, in the mix with that. There's there's a lot of, of course, minor league teams that are around there, and 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 Tampa Bay. Uh, if they don't get their new stadium, or even if they can work something alternative out, there has been that talk of the the Tampa Bay X Rays, right, where they play in in Tampa at the first part of the year. Then in the summer they go up to Montreal and they kind of do a a half and half in in Tampa and Montreal. And I just don't really know how that ends up working. But uh, yeah, you you know, Patrick, I, I initially when I heard that I go, oh, that's interesting. And then you you dive a little deeper. And you, you pull the onion back a little bit and you say, well, wait a second. So what if there's like this huge series late in the year to make the postseason and it's the, you know, it's the Yankees or whatever. And like, yeah, down in Tampa, we don't get this one. You know, our, our friends up in Montreal get this one. And, right. and I, I don't know. It's, I don't know if that works. Yeah. That works. Could create divisiveness amongst your own fan base. Yeah. That, yeah. That would yeah. Be you know, how is it split up? Oh, they got the Red Sox twice this year, you know, and we only get them one. Yeah. Who knows? But uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to follow. It, it got me thinking, though, the Oakland uh, Coliseum, uh, the, the recent um, debate, rat versus possum or raccoon oh. <laughs> um, and mcneil frankie right. mcneil in new york um legitimately they could have that debate at the oakland coliseum <laughs> see one run by uh in the uh infrastructure of that stadium that um, is if you can hold your breath long enough to make your way down and have enough oxygen to get back up yeah or taking uh yeah some, some fresh air in the other thing is, is when you're on deck, you got to like hire an Uber to get to the plate. From where the, you ever look where, where it's the wild, man. Strange. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It's a, it's a weird ballpark. I'll, I'll last point I've got on, on this topic as well, which people have heard me mention on the podcast and read about if they're members on the DNVR.com the other day, which is my uh, sort of pet peeve issue that I feel like doesn't get talked about quite enough which is the Colorado Rockies play in the wrong division. They play in the wrong division. They, they shouldn't be playing these California teams all the time. And I get, you know, it is what it is. But if you get some expansion, if you get a team, you get a team in Vegas or Portland or really any of the places that you mentioned, Vancouver, Montreal, you can start redrawing some lines a little bit and you can move the Colorado Rockies into a reimagined NL Central where they're playing Texas and Houston and Kansas City and St. Louis so that they only have to go one time zone and not to the polar opposite environment every single time they travel. Um, people don't think about that a lot, but that's become a, a, a thing I've become almost obsessed with is that the Rockies play in the wrong division. <laughs> yeah, you know, I go back to a conversation I had with Dan O'Dad many years ago, and he felt like from a competitive standpoint, this is before any talk of expansion, you know, that the Rockies would be better off you know, in the central, um, I selfishly, and I, and I think you're right. When you get to 32 teams, they're going to, obviously going to redraw the line. It's going to be four, um, you know, four divisions of four. I can't imagine it not being, uh, that way. It just makes too much sense. And and you can expand the playoffs that way, et cetera. But, um, and, and it will push, I would think the Rockies more to the, to the Midwestern part of the country selfishly 
which ultimately we all are to some degree. They got nice weather out there. <laughs> I will miss going to, if that's the case, San Diego, yeah. Los Angeles, San Francisco, three times a year in Phoenix. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a big, you know, we keep Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you, you trade that for, uh, I'll never, I'll never diss St. Louis, a great baseball town. My son plays baseball in St. Louis, so I'm never going to diss St. Louis, but um, you know, in Kansas city, they all have their appeal. But if you're going, Hey, San Diego, Kansas city, San Diego, um, St. Louis, Arlington, Texas in the summer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and depending on how it lays out, you know, with the interleague play, and again, whether the Rockies are the AL or NL, you could have more essential teams. So, of course, you know, Cardinals, Royals, but Cubs could be in the mix. White Sox are the, and yeah. it's not a trip you yeah. want to be looking forward to in April. I'm making you feel worse about this, Goody, and I'm, and I'm sorry about that. No, because I love Chicago, but uh, you're right. So I, I can tell you a quick Chicago story. Uh, back when I was doing the Nuggets, and everybody who's lived in Chicago uh, or spent any time in Chicago or had to go there on business or whatever in the winter probably has a similar story. So I go out, and I'm, bun man, I'm bundled up. I'm prepared, man. I know Chicago winners. And it's January probably, and and we had, I think we had an off night. So um, I'm, I go out to dinner, and I remember it's about six blocks away uh, to the restaurant I went to and, and I'm bundled up. I mean, the only thing that exposed is probably like right here. And, uh, I have a nice dinner and I'm, and I'm walking home, walking back to the hotel. And the, what, what I didn't realize is the wind when I had left evidently was at my back. So I didn't really feel the wind. I turned around. It was one of those winds coming off Lake Michigan, and it was probably the raw temperature was probably like six. With the wind chill, it was like six hundred below. And I'm telling you, it was so friggin' cold just right here. Everything else, I had gloves. I mean, I, I was prepared. I had to duck into you know little entranceways to buildings three times to walk the six blocks back because it was like so painful to walk and just have it blowing in your face. That's my wow. Chicago. I was close. My prediction was you were going to have to duck into a phone booth, open up the yellow pages and call, you know, yellow taxi to right. come and get you at that point. Because well, again, no Uber, no cell phones. Yeah. Because back, because back then you're right. There probably still were phone booths and there, there was no Uber or you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't know. I gutted it out being the ultra tough guy that I am. I walked those six blocks and, Battle the, the the northern Illinois wind. You do some you do some crazy things when it comes to uh, seeing Jordan get to play. That's for sure. Uh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Jordan, the <laughs> minor league baseball player. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, when Jordan was riding the bus. Tito Francona's, uh, you know, right fielder. That's right. Oh man, yeah. Well, uh, that that story made me very cold, very cold on the inside, <laughs> just listening to it. Uh, but what makes me warm is getting less money taken from me by my insurance companies. That's what keeps me warm at night. That's right, saving money by not losing it on my home and car insurance. Average Gabby customers, it's G-A-B-I, save nine hundred sixty-one dollars a year. Since forget a better insurance, really easy to remember it costs you nothing, takes you almost no time, just saves you money. Head to gabi.com slash dnvr and you'll spend less than 10 minutes putting in a little bit of information about your home and car insurance. They'll give you a bunch of quotes. You pick the one you like the best and boom, 
John Madden face, you've saved some money. So make sure you're doing that. There's really no downside to this. There's not, they're not going to text you, email you, any of those problems. You just save money. Uh, I saved 480 bucks over the year on just car insurance. Our guy, Eric Weedham saved over a grand. So if you're paying for insurance on anything, check them out. They can probably save you some money. One last time, it's gabi.com slash dnvr. All right, Goody, we always talk about the Drew Goodman podcast. Of course, we're all big fans here. Everyone listening to this on the podcast app that you're listening to right now, if you're not yet subscribed to the Drew Goodman podcast, you've got to do so. And those of you who are hardcore baseball people, especially, are in for a treat uh, this week uh, with, with, again, one of those names that it's like one of those guys, if you know, big smile comes across your face the second you hear the name, Mark Sweeney. Yeah, Mark Sweeney was one of the all-time pinch hitters. He's second all-time in hits as a pinch hitter, and he's first all-time in ribbies as a pinch hitter. I mean, he made a career truly out of being, uh, you know, a, a tremendous ninth-inning uh, guy, and and that's a hard-ass role um, because you're not you're not facing the middle reliever who's, you know, not good enough to start, not good enough to pitch, you know, when the game's on the line late. You're facing Mariano Rivera. You're facing the guy throwing 98 with, with a, you know, nasty breaking ball. And he did it exceptionally well. Great clubhouse guy. Um, you know, interesting story as a big leaguer. He lasted 14 years. And um, he's in broadcasting now with the Padres. Uh, spent you know spent some time with the Rockies he, he, and he as you guys know really super bright guy uh super funny guy always 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 entertaining and so we put a lot on tape over the next uh week or two um on the podcast but um he tells some good stories about some of the biggest names in the business also uh, when I say the business the business of baseball so I'll make yep. Go, I was going to say, we'll, we'll make people listen to the podcast to hear his Barry Bonds story. We want to oh, hear you know, your. Yeah. You know, he has a he has he has some great stories on Barry Bonds, but I always laugh. You guys remember another name um, from the Rockies past who had a nice big league career? Do you remember Todd Green, the catcher? Oh, yeah. Remember Green? He had some thump, and he stayed in baseball. He's uh, he's with the Atlanta Braves now. And, um, you know, they were they were veteran guys, you know, true veteran guys. And and they were playing with the Giants together. And they to they told me because we roll into town and it was when Barry had was sitting on 714 homers. And they told me they're like, hey, listen, when, when Barry hit 715, we're going to we're going to be front and center celebrating with, you know, out front with Barry. And sure enough. You know, Barry, young, young Kim uh, is matched up with Barry and Barry hits it. I'll never forget it. Hits it over the center field wall, which was as a broadcaster was kind of peculiar. How do you handle this? You know, first of all, it's not going to be my call. It's going to be the, the Giants call that is going to be linked to it um, forever. Um, but it's still a, a moment as a broadcaster, such a significant historical moment. But how do you handle it? Because um, it, it's it's strange in that it's not Jim Tomey breaking the record. It's not Albert Pujols breaking the record. It's this controversial figure that is breaking the most hallowed mark 
in U.S. professional sports. I, I can say that without argument. And, you know, it's also against the club that you call games for. So from a broadcast standpoint, that's running through my mind. But the funny part, going back to Sweeney and, and Todd Green, is as soon as he – when he hits it and he arrives at home plate, you know, his son – is there Nico Barry's son? And then the first two guys that are they're hugging up on him are Todd Green and Mark Sweeney. So they're gonna be for, they're gonna be in that picture forever, right? That's just that's just knowing your uh, uh, spotting, as actors call it, right? That's knowing your, <laughs> your yeah. finding your lens, right. standing on the mark. That's you right. Know where to stand? That, that's a that's a veteran thing right there to be able to look ahead to. And as we were talking about with with Sweeney, like the job he had as a professional pinch hitter, it, it doesn't exist anymore. And yet we've got 26 man roster. I know. You know we've got an extra guy and it, it's yeah. strange. That's how hard that that job is that they said, look, we, we just can't have a, a veteran to come up for that one at bat, but you know, nineties and early two thousands, you know, that was an important role. And Sweeney, Lenny Harris, John Vanderwall here in Colorado, yeah. those guys made a career of that. Yeah. And, and I can't tell you how many times I said, here comes the big man, you know, late, it's a one-run game late, and here came Jason Giambi. And, I mean, that was that was thrilling. Even You know, listen, you're not going to come through every time. He did quite a bit. And the other thing I, I always reflect back on, you guys have probably heard me say this, you know, many years since Jason left, but he would always pass the baton. If you didn't throw him a strike, he wasn't selfish and go, I got to expand, I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the big guy here. He would go, okay, you're going to walk me. The guy behind me is going to get the job done. And I, and I thought that that was um, really important, especially to younger players, to realize that, yes, it's still keep the line moving, even though in a perfect world, Giambi gets a pitch to hit and he hits it over the you know right field wall. Um, but there were some thrilling moments of, of drama when the game was still in the balance and here comes Giambi out of the dugout. So to your point, Patrick, with, um, you know, it's kind of been lost um, that the the quintessential late game pinch hitter, um, which, which most teams, certainly good teams, always had that guy that the other dugout feared. You knew that they were going to play that card at some point. Yeah, Pablo Sandoval is probably the only guy right now in baseball that comes to the top of top of the head with, with Atlanta. And, and we saw him do that a lot in, in the month of April. So it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a strange thing. And, and maybe, you know, some of the veteran guys, they'd rather just go home than stick around and, and be that final guy off the bench. Cause that's also a tough role is, you know, you've got a family, you've got a life uh, outside of baseball that you're making a sacrifice for too. So it's, you know, it is a give and take. It's. Well, sometimes there's an economic, well, not sometimes, all, you know, there's always an economic component. So, right. you know, depending on what that guy makes, you know, is it, if you got to pay him two and a half, three, four million dollars to be kind of that, that guy that gets, you know, 120 at bats, but, you know, 45 critical ones in the course of a season versus, you know, a guy who's making the minimum of 570, do you go with the guy who's, Okay, he, he's not the presence that that a Giambi or a Vanderwall or a Mark Sweeney was in their in their careers, especially in their primes. But you know, there are probably teams that that are going in in that direction. And and then listen, also with the advent of the DH, um, we've had it for you know four decades in 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 the American League, and it's coming again. And that we know it's going to be here in the National League. So you know, who who are you pinch hitting for? Maybe the you know the the weak link in your lineup. 
if you have one, you know, the, the light hitting catcher. So maybe there's that guy, but it's, it's, it's going to be a less important spot. Um, it already is, but, but moving forward in the national league, it'll be um, less important, yeah. which is a shame. Cause I love those moments. Uh, when uh, when guys like that came up, where you go, this guy's going to give you a hell of an at bat, even if it, yeah. even if he doesn't come through. Mark Sweeney, you knew it was going to be a great at bat. Giamba, you knew it was going to be a great at bat. Yeah, I, uh, I I do. I I, I miss those, and uh, it was uh, yeah, a well, little bit of a throwback era. But speaking of of big moments, and and you talked about the Barry Bonds one there, it just got me thinking. There have actually been several that just popped into my mind of these big milestone moments that have come against the Rockies. Uh, a lot of them at Coors Field. I know, obviously, Ichiro's 3,000th hit was at Coors. I believe Craig Biggio got his 3,000th hit against the Colorado Rockies, and I can't remember. You see, so what, I'm doing? You see what I'm doing? I missed it. What do we have, 55? He was down in Houston. No, B- Biggio was 5 for 5 that day. Oh. Oof. That wow. Was- and I want and and if memory serves me right, because um, he hit a ball toward right center field, and, and typical of Biggio and how he played the game, he was out trying to stretch it into a double, but that was his three thousandth hit. And they stopped the game for about it was probably a good ten minutes, maybe closer to fifteen. And Jeff Bagwell came down from you know club level and went on the field at at uh, at Minute Maid. And, you know, they were, you know, tied at the hip and they were very close friends. And, and, um, uh, those are special moments, man. I, I, you're right though. I remember that and, and Ichiro. So we, there was, I think I interrupted you. Was there another one? I was trying to remember. That was kind of going to be the question of what are, you know, what are the ones that kind of stand out over the years? I, I was trying to think back on, um, other big, we talked about like Albert Pujols getting his first hit against the Rockies, but at the time you don't necessarily know. <laughs> how are you going to know? No, um, I was I was actually prescient. I said this, folks, is the first <laughs> of at least three thousand, and uh, I know this was just merely a hit, but this dude's going to hit six hundred plus homers and drive in two thousand runs. Trust me. You were there on top. Yes. Of Check yeah. the tape. We, we're going to have to go back and. We'll have to go back and see what you said about Alan Trejo so we can know ahead of time yeah. what his stats are going to be, you know, for the next 10, 15 years. There you go. Got to be ready. There you go. Um, but I, I, the ones I remember, I remember the Biggio one, and I've told you guys I, I let everything go, so I don't remember as much as I – mean, it's like the later Brown, who I did a lot of college basketball uh, with, Irv remembered everything. He remembered, you know – particulars from games played in, you know, 50 years, you know, prior. Um, but I definitely, I definitely remember the, um, I definitely remember Bonds' home run 715 against Young Young Kim. And as, a, as you were mentioning, I remember the, the Biggio uh, hit certainly 3000 and, you know, each row also. Right. I guess there were uh, the only other things I can think of are like uh, no hitters against the Rockies, like Kershaw. Right. There was the Kershaw one. That was one of the great pitching. You know, it sounds silly to say, oh, he threw a no hitter. Obviously, is one of the great pitching performances. But it was, there's no hitters. And, and then there's, you know, upper level no hitters. And that was an upper level no hitter because I think he struck out 15 that day. In, in Bill, you know, how Bill James has a game score. Yeah. Pitchers? That's one of the, the top game scores of all time. The, um, the no hitter that Kershaw threw at the Rockies at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. 
And and the first one was actually Al Leiter. Didn't Al Leiter actually have the first no hitter against the Rockies? That's uh, one that often gets forgotten about. And obviously, Nomo. Nomo did at Coors. Was at Coors yeah. Field. Kershaw is the most recent, but I think Al Leiter actually. Yeah, Al Leiter did throw no no, and I can't remember if it was before or after Hideo's, but um, I want to say. Funny you mentioned Hideo Nomo. I think Mark Sweeney's first career home run came against Hideo Nomo. Amazing. See how quick yeah. I can look that up. What an era. I mean, of baseball see if I can, how quickly I can remember guys. it. Yeah. Uh, and I know it's because when I was falling in love with the game, but just like every, like every even little bit player from that era, I'm just like, yeah, man. Every- <laughs> well, baseball cards. Think about that too. That, you know, you, right. you clung that information. You watch the highlights a little bit more. You know, uh, a little bit more each each day. There was less going on in the world, right? There's not 40 billion channels. So when you when you see a guy, you you almost have to force yourself to memorize it. And again, right. if you're if you're doing the trading card thing, you know that that'll help you recognize a guy or two. Yeah, you mentioned baseball cards, and I'm like. I don't know. Weird things jump in our in our minds when we follow this sport. Like I remember Kurt Bavakwa and his baseball Padres, the bubblegum. Yeah, and I remember for the Tigers, Aurelio Rodriguez. Remember, oh, remember Aurelio Rodriguez? Aurelio Rodriguez. Why, uh, why these two names just jumped in my mind? I have zero idea. But they did. Well, my mind association when you said Aurelio went to another one of those utility guys who had a long career during the 90s. Rich Aurelia is where my mind went to Rich Aurelia. Rich Aurelia is a New York guy. Yeah. Yeah. He had a really nice career with the Giants. Really Baseball nice family, man. Yeah. Mark Sweeney did indeed his first home run off Hideo Nomo. Hideo Nomo. All right. Nailed, Boom. It. Nailed it. Second home run, Armando Reynoso. Against Colorado. Who cares about the second home run? <laughs> That's always my favorite. You know, I like to be the a little second, different, a little bit on the edge. Patrick's yeah. a big Everyone, second home run. Guy. Look, we all know Mark Sweeney homered off Hideo Nomo <laughs> for number one. But number two, that's how you know you're a hardcore. Yeah, right. Consider me a Sweeney hardcore fan. Here, here, here's one because obviously I was doing some homework on, on Sweeney Dog um, in preparation for, for the podcast. He finished with 42 career home runs. The same number as my partner Ryan Spielborg's finished in his career. So there you go. Both finished with forty-two bombs. Do you think Sweeney knows his baseball number? Like what number player he was in MLB? Because Spilly, Spilly has that memorized. He talks about that. It's really it. Um, I, it's really a thing for for guys that play. They take great pride in it, and and I think to put it in perspective, and I I think the three of us have chatted about this before is that you take ball arena, Pepsi center, whatever the hell you want to call it these days. I guess you got to call it ball arena, right? You yeah. paid a few bucks. Um, if you, if you filled that up, that's basically all of the players from 18, you know, 69 that have ever played major league baseball. So if you're one of those 20,000 now, I'd be damn proud of it, and I'd say, yeah, I was number 16,488 or, or whatever. And and so I certainly understand the the pride that, you know, Spilly, Huey, and Sully take in, in knowing, you know, in knowing where they are. I don't know if Mark does. Maybe, maybe he does. I got one other note on Mark Sweeney. 
I just thought of. I got to mention this next week um, on my podcast. So Sweeney, late in his career, uh, he finished with the Dodgers. And there's a young pitcher who comes up and um, wanted number 22. Now, this guy hadn't done it. I mean, he was number one pick, but he hadn't done a damn thing in the big leagues. He's just a young kid, right? Probably wearing number 77 or something in spring training. Yeah. Well, Mark Sweeney was wearing 22 with the Dodgers. When you're a journeyman, as as Mark was, it's not like, hey, from team to team, you're always wearing number four or you're whatever your number is, right? You kind of take whatever the clubby gives you. Maybe when you're a veteran, you go, hey, clubby goes, I got 38 and 26. Do you have a preference? And you go, yeah, I'll take 26, right? Well, Sweeney's wearing 22 with the Dodgers. And Clayton Kershaw comes up, and, and Sweeney gave him Sweeney gave him that jersey, gave him that number. He switched. Wow. And he still wants that Rolex watch. He never got it. <laughs> I, I've heard him tell that story before. Yeah. He's like, you know, I, he's a rookie, so he didn't have the money then. But now, hey, you got to make you got to do right by him at this point. Yeah, right? Go on, Clayton. You've heard, you've heard that story then, Patrick, right? Yeah, he was great. He came out to uh, the, the National the Sabre Convention in yeah. San Diego and – he was there. Kurt Bavakwa was there. Uh, Randy Jones. Uh, so all the great, great Padres players uh, were there. And and yeah, it was it was a good time. If if anyone gets an opportunity to go to a Saber convention, it's that's you know that's like Comic Con. You know, where if you're if you're in all that nerdy stuff, which hey, we I think we all like something in that that world. We're all nerds in that way. If you're a baseball nerd, you got to go to a Saber convention. It's it's amazing. Yeah, no question, no question. All right, if you had the over on one and a half Kurt Bavakwa references in this DNVR Rockies podcast, right. then you really got to get on DraftKings Sportsbook and start making yourself some money because you know what's up out there. If you, if you knew that was going to happen, then you clearly can see into the future and you're just losing money by not being on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Whether you're actually making money or just making each sporting event that you watch a little bit more fun, I always find it interesting to throw a couple of bucks on somebody to hit a home run in the Rockies game. It takes all three or four of their at-bats and makes them that much more entertaining or interesting in any given game. You can take the overs and unders on strikeouts and runs scored in the game, who's going to win the game, all that stuff. Of course, you know you can bet on hockey and basketball and football and you know, fighting and boxing. And right now, MMA – I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The MMA. No, UFC. Wait, that's still MMA, Drew. It's just different letters that mean the same thing, more or less. Uh, they got the big UFC 262 card coming up. That's what your DNVR promo code is going to get you hooked up with this week if you can pick a winner in one of the main card uh, fighters. So use the promo code DNVR when you sign up with the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and you can turn $1 into $100 when you bet on the main card fighter to win. Place your bet. Watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code DNVR. Turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time only. A DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new strict, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Seriously, if you, if you had the Bavakwas, if you had over on Bavakwa. That's uh, that. I, I had the under. I had the under on Kurt yeah. Bavakwa. I did too. And, you know, again, I can just choose to say his name whenever I want. And I, and I didn't think I would be. But I had, the, I had the under on Aurelio Rodriguez as well today. Yeah. yeah. 
It's just, you never know what you're going to get uh, when you tune into the show. I thought we would reference Rich Aurelia last week when the Giants were in town. So I was off you by a week, thought. so I'm not going to be too hard on myself. we got the yeah. Padres now. All right, obscure Padres for 500. Go. Steve Sparks. Nice, knuckleball. I'm going to go one of my favorites, Arky Cianfraco. Wow, that's a great – I can't beat that one. Wow. Although I, I look back and I go, why wasn't he Archie? But I, I think it's pronounced – he went by Archie, didn't he? Or yeah. Maybe it was Archie. I'm, now, it might have been Archie. I, I'm the one who introduced this little game, and I'm verklept. Um, <laughs> might have been Archie. I I've the, I keep going to a, to a guy who was actually a pretty – I got two. I got a guy who was a pretty – Big star, or certainly by San, you know, in San Diego at the time. Benito Nate, Santiago, Nate Colbert. Oh yes, oh. all-time home run leader for the Padres. Yeah, Nate. Yeah, Nate Colbert. And then I got a guy that I got to know because he was on the Rocky staff for several years back in the Buddy Bell um, era, and that is his great guy, Freddie Kendall, who was a catcher oh. for the Padres. Freddie Kendall, and and better known maybe as the father of Jason Kendall, who Jason Jason had a really nice big league career. Yeah. Freddie Kendall. You're speaking of good baseball cards. I believe it was Tim Flannery, who played yeah. here in Colorado for the Boulder Collegians. He had a baseball card when he was at the Padres surfboard. It's like Fleer '88. Check. Wow, I might have even nailed that one. Fleer '1988. He's got the surfboard on the field. That's his baseball card. You can't beat that. All right. Two quick things about Flan. Um, most people know quite a musician. Still tours around, you know, California and you know plays, uh, you know, plays little bars and establishments around. Great dude. And he is a product of what school? Dun, 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 dun. Oh. Stanford University. No, 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 not not where Stanford. You, uh, my, I, my alma mater. I, I saw him on campus once or twice. Like so yeah, yeah. Samsonite University. Yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah it, was, it was a, a look alike. He went to Chapman, which is a D three school, great school in in Southern It's in Orange County. It's in the the shadow of the Big A, and uh, he went to Chapman. So um, there you go. They come from everywhere. They yeah, yeah. Slightly more well-known San Diego Padre, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado. <laughs> I said that. I like well, that. <laughs> I've heard of them. I, yeah. I think more people uh, have heard of those, those guys. Yeah. We should talk about He them. was going to go to Chapman, but he was about yeah. a lot of money, and so he, he signed. Missed it by that much. Uh, but, yes, this uh, very exciting, uh, very uh, lauded, uh, high expectations for a team that's still – uh, you know, hasn't gotten out of the the first round of a, a postseason, uh, you know, appearance in a very very long time. I'm trying to remember the last time the Padres did that, but very exciting team, one of the most exciting. They're coming here to town. We know the Rockies play better at home. You talked about how miserable they've been out of the road. Very true, but we've seen them steal some at home. Can we look forward to an exciting, fun series here? Or are we? Uh... I hope. Listen, I hope so. And. And as a baseball fan, just like, you know, we're, we're all baseball fans first and foremost. We want to see the Rockies do well. But um, uh, I think it's natural, just like uh, I know it didn't come off as such because the Rockies got swept in St. Louis. But 
you know, there had to be a buzz for those guys in the Rockies clubhouse also playing against Nolan. Uh, and there'll be, there'll be some juice. I know it's cold tonight, but there'll be some juice playing against a, a team with a lot of stars on it in, in Tatis and Machado and Hosmer and, you know, uh, Will Myers who's always tormented uh, the Rockies. I'm looking forward to seeing the Padres and I'm looking forward to the Rockies, you know, performing well. And, and hopefully, hopefully we have some really entertaining baseball and the Rockies are able to, to play as they have lately at Coors Field, which is pretty well. Yeah, they they're going to continue to be spoilers all season long. Like they they were they 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 got uh, Adam Wainwright out of the game there. He wanted that complete game shutout, didn't get it. And and with the Padres, this you know this brief series, Blake Snell, you Darvish is coming in, and you go, man, on paper, you got to like the Padres' odds, but the the Rockies aren't going to aren't going to give in. We we know that, and and they they continue to surprise to a degree. And you say, yeah, no, they're they're not going to give up with without a fight, and. Hey, we were in the same spot last week. Rockies ended up stealing two out of three against the Giants when they were in first place. And you go, eh, it's not going to happen again this week. I don't know that it that it won't. Right? Anything is possible with this club. Yeah. the The one thing I always fall back on it, it, with baseball in general, and it, and it's why we love baseball, why we love sports, is that um, you know, I'm, after we're done here, I'm going to, you know, shower up and, and head down there. And, and, uh, are you guys coming down tonight? Um, it's cold you're, you're, for me. I'm going, I'm pulling double duty tomorrow. I'm, uh, all right, that's I've right. already yeah. had my break. I'm take two games tomorrow. <laughs> right. But you got, obviously whether, whether you're there or you're, or you're watching, you know, the Shmahulis on TV, um, you know what, you never know what you're going to see, right? I mean, we had we had a holy smokes moment last week when the Rockies were down six two with two outs, and all of a sudden they end up celebrating an eight six victory. So you don't know, um, and and that's the beauty of that's certainly the beauty of baseball because there's no clock involved, um, and uh, you know we'll see we'll see how it plays out. I mean, this is a really talented roster with San Diego. Uh, the division, the first six weeks, has probably played out a little differently uh, than everybody. You know, thought the Dodgers have taken on, you know, some water. Are they going to be fine? Yes, absolutely. They can panic all they want in Southern California. The Dodgers are going to be great. They're going to be there in the end. Um, this was a blip, you know, the last few weeks uh, on the radar. But guess what? Padres are going to be there also. That's a, you know, that's a really good team. And and you want to measure yourself against the best. And now the Rockies have that opportunity six times over the next ten days. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that'll help is it somebody who should be pitching in one of those games. Uh, we, we featured them both on our shows last week. It was John Gray week last week. But again, if you missed it, make sure you see or listen to. You, you can't see podcasts, I'm pretty sure. You got to listen to the Drew Goodman podcast with John Gray. Check out ours on the YouTube, which you can see. Um, but I got a text this morning. from I don't think he would mind that I shared this from our, our guy talking Jake, uh, you know, with John Boy Media uh, Productions. And the text simply said, how is John Gray so damn good at home? And I, I gave him my answer to that question, but I, I turned the question now to you, Goody. Um, there's there's a couple things, and I've talked to John, as you guys have, about this. And and before him, you know, Jorge De La Rosa comes to mind. Um, there are, first of all, it's home. You know, it's there's a comfort level. This is, this is you know, clubhouse, my clubhouse. That's my bullpen mound. That's, you know, my, you know, pitching mound at Coors Field. And most of them all articulate the feeling that 
I'm going to outpitch the other guy because the other guy's going to have you know a tough time, and I'm going to and I'm going to be able to to outpitch the other guy uh, to help my team come out on top. Um, so he's not the first guy to have you know success at Coors Field. He embraces it. He he doesn't he doesn't pitch in fear, and that's one of the reasons I think that it's uh, of paramount importance that the Rockies build from within. Kyle Freeland would would say the the same thing. You're not going to get uh, or very rarely are you going to get the pitcher, you know, to come to Coors Field when they have other options. You may get the the guy that's trying to resurrect their career. We've seen that before um, with some guys. You know, Jason Marquis, uh, you know, comes to mind. There there've been some others that you know kind of came here because it was last chance motel and 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 earned, uh, you know, Sean Estes. I think won 15 games for the Rockies. Uh, but by and large, the Rockies are going to have to, you know, build from within. And, you know, with the Senzatellas, uh, you know, Herman Marcus came from Tampa but hadn't been in the big leagues yet. And, and they embrace and realize, yeah, you know what, if you make quality pitches, you're going to get outs at Coors Field. And, and John's a great example of that. And and they, um, I, I think, have embraced pitching at 20th and Blake and realized, no, this is my home. And I, and I enjoy pitching here as crazy as that may seem to somebody who does not call Coors Field home. Yeah. John's been, been really successful this year. He's, he's having fun out on the mound too, you know, and um, there's just different, different way about him a little bit. And, and, you know, I don't know that it's, he's, he's lost something on his fastball, but he certainly, I think he, he likes not, not thrown at a hundred percent. Right, it's it's he has a lot lot more command uh, over his pitches, and again, we're we're seeing the impact of, of that. And you know, we were we were talking uh, before we started recording about pitchers throwing hard and and uh, needing Tommy John surgery and 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 all the numbers. You go and look, guys are throwing harder than ever, not with as much control. And yet, Gray is saying, you know what, I'm going to turn it down a little bit. I'm going to turn it off of 11 down to you know nine maybe. And he's he's reaping the rewards. He's having a lot of success, and it goes to show you, like you don't have to throw as fast as you can to be as as effective as you could possibly be. You know, Patrick, short of Jacob Degrom, was the most obvious example where you know he's thirty three and he's throwing you know four or five miles an hour harder now than he did you know three or four years ago. It's it's freakish. It's Sid Finchish, Drew. That was for you. Hey. Um, but uh, you know. Even these these power guys, a lot of times you'll see them have continuing success or maybe even more success when they become a pitcher at a lower velocity than when they, you know, came up and they could buzz the tower at, at 98, but, you know, it was kind of hit and miss in terms of uh, results. I mean, there there have been a lot of guys that – well, I mean, look at Adam Wainwright and how how he pitched – against the Rockies. And I said, I mean, maybe he touched 90, 91 a couple times. He basically pitched at 88 with his fastball, still a great curveball, moved the ball all over the, the quadrants of the, of the strike zone. He pitched, you know, and he doesn't listen. I, I can name, you know, 10 guys here in the state of Colorado who play high school bas- uh, baseball that will average, you know, more th- in terms of velocity, uh, you know, more than Adam Wainwright did, the 39-year-old, uh, you know, who who shut out the Rockies for eight and a third. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's one of those things that I think is kind of harped on and, and some fans, you know, goes in one ear and out the other and some people get sick and tired of hearing it. But there really is a big difference between throwing and pitching. 
and uh, some guys really are throwers and can get away with it. I mean, look, 99 will play it on some level for a little while, especially if you're out there in the pen and stuff like that. But there really are. Zach Granke has always been uh, my personal favorite guy who just pitches. He's never thrown. I mean, younger in his career, he had a little more stuff. But even back then, he was such a – every pitch was so meticulously thought out and placed in a spot. And he's beating hitters with his mind as often as he is with his arm. Yeah. And you saw a vintage performance from Wainwright the other day like that. It was, reminds you it can still be done. It's kind of great. As much as baseball changes, it still kind of stays the same, doesn't it? No, it does. I mean, it, it harkens you back to some of those great brave staffs. You know, Smoltz was obviously a, a power guy, but Maddox and Glavin, fellow Hall of Famers, um, they were stuffed. They were, um, you know, they were they were guys that pitched and pitched on the edges and had great late movement. And it was, you know, a two seam fastball and a changeup off of that. And uh, yeah, they they were artists on the mound. Yeah, it, it was definitely an art. Uh, two hours and fifteen minutes after first pitch when the game was over. You, we don't we don't have that kind of art anymore. Or, or eighty nine pitch complete games. And that was that was definitely a Greg Maddox type thing. Or as the great Vin Scully would say, he's pitching as if he's double parked. <laughs> Love it. Well, hopefully we see some great pitching in these next three games uh, from both teams. Uh, Sensatella going to get back out there on the hill at some point. You know, we're, we're very excited to see what he's got. He had such a good 2020. Hasn't been quite as good yet in 21. Uh, more to see from, you know, Marquez still looking for his best stuff that we know is in there. John Gray's continued season, the evolution of Austin Gomber, and before too long, the return of Kyle Freeland. So there should be some quality pitching to look forward to on the horizon for Rockies fans. Yeah, the, um, and it's going to take that. Um, I, I'm reminded of that um, when I look at the Angels and you have Mike Trout, who's his talent and, and what he's done so far this year. Um, it's kind of redundant every year, but you know, you, you, as great as he is and as great as Shohei Otani um, has been this year, uh, you know, they're at the bottom of the division. It's still closely packed and it's really early, but in the American league West, you know, they're looking up at, at a bunch of other teams and they have, you know, two of the very best players in the sport. It's not basketball. You can't just go, hey, it's late. Let's give it to LeBron um, and everybody else get out of the way. You you have to wait your turn. And, and who knows if you'll have a chance to impact the game and who knows if you'll be able to because it, it's, it, it's baseball. And, you know, if you have four at-bats and you go one for four and hit a double, that's, you know, that's a pretty solid game, right? Uh, maybe you're one for three in a walk, but that doesn't mean you're going to win the game like you can potentially do if you're a quarterback or, you know, uh, a basketball player who's going to have the ball in his hands uh, late. That's the sport of baseball, which leads us back to the number one ingredient, and that is pitching, man. And so those guys um, have more say as to how the club does than anyone else. So if the Rockies are to, you know, put a little streak together, we've seen some much better at home, as we alluded to earlier, it's going to start on the hill. And Buddy's always the first to mention that. I mean, not just because he was a pitcher, but he understands, man, it's all about those guys who throw. Yeah. You know, you could say, oh, Nolan, Nolan's not a Rocky. Well, guess what? Nolan was a Rocky last year, and the Rockies' offense was deficient. He was a Rocky in 2019 when they had a 
you know, disappointing 71 win season after winning, you know, in the 90s the year before. Um, so it comes down to the the guys who throw. Yeah, you want a, you want a better offense than what you've seen from the Rockies, but it, it still comes down to those guys. So to your to your point, I've gotten long winded here. Yeah, you know, Mar- Marcus got to grow, um, build on what he did in St. Louis. Even though we got the loss, he was, you know, he w- he was much better um, the other day in St. Louis. You need more good from Senza. He's kind of been up and down. Um, we've seen some good from Gomber. Um, you know, obviously John Gray has been the, been the Rockies' best, and hopefully in a couple of weeks when the three of us are are chit chatting away, we're going to be talking about Kyle Freeland's return soon. So, um, you know that that's on the horizon. Would would be remiss if we didn't mention guys who are returning and right now. He's scheduled to make the game two start uh, to, on Wednesday. Jolie's Chessine makes his return to Coors Field. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, listen, I, I, I have the greatest respect for Chassin because he's a pitcher also. Yeah, he's a, a lot of success. A lot of success. A lot of success at Coors Field. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Good. We, we do want to wrap up, but I've got to throw you this stat because yeah. I was giving it to uh, your guys in the press box. Uh, Stouter and Soli were sitting behind me the other day, and I, we were talking about this very thing and the importance of pitching. Patrick and I had done this research in the offseason with – just OPS plus and ERA plus park adjusted stats for the whole team. Right. And I just asked him, you know, who do you think is the Rockies best offense team offense in history, according to OPS plus. And, you know, they threw out some teams threw out a few guesses. I don't know if you've got any, if you want to. Um, I'd be shocked if you if you got it honestly, but because you know what I'll I, you know what I'll say. Can I, I'll take two stabs at this? Yeah, I'll say the '95 Rockies or the um, or the uh, 2009 Rockies. So the 2009 Rockies are very close. Uh, they're they're in the top like three. They were they were definitely one of the best offensive teams. Ninety five Rockies were not as good as I thought by OPS plus. But Dante Bichette got killed, and there's a pre humidor era, and there's some over adjusting, and it, that's all very confusing. The the highest year in OPS plus and team OPS plus in Rockies history was twenty fourteen. I would never have gotten that because I couldn't <laughs> tell you one thing about the twenty fourteen season. <laughs> Right. You know why? Because they lost 98 baseball games. They they lost 98 baseball games. Or 96. Uh, It's one of those two that year. Wow. But Morneau, a young DJ LeMayhew, Troy Tulewitzki, a second year of Nolan Arenado, young Charlie Blackman. I think Dexter Fowler might have still been around. That team could. Michael Kadire. Willie uh, Rosario. Willie Rosario was. Dickerson and Stubbs. Dickerson, right? He was a great hitter. But that was team that, that could the, not pitch. Was that the piggyback year? Yeah. They ended up doing that. I think Kyle Kendrick was the opening day starter. Uh, Kyle Kendrick was great in Milwaukee to open up 2014. And unfortunately, it was not good after that. <laughs> it didn't. Am I, am I right? I, I, you know, let me yeah. know. But I'm, I'm almost positive that year – the Rockies opened at Miller Park, and Kyle Kendrick was out friggin' standing in game one. And 
you know, not so much after that. Yeah, that that that, that was that, that was the next year. But you're but you're right. Okay. Kendrick was was, was, was that twenty fifteen? That was fifteen. Yeah, seven innings, okay. shut out, no walks, okay. six strikeouts, scattered seven hits. I told you, I don't remember anything about twenty fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> just apparently neither did I. I was yeah. trying to remember which one of those, but yeah. it was, yeah, 14 was their best. And and it just goes to sell the point. When you look at the Rockies years where they've made the postseason, their pitching is fantastic. Sometimes their offense is also good. Sometimes it's not that great. But you look at years when the Rockies offense has been fantastic. It doesn't necessarily track with anything. You have to pitch. Yep. So bottom yeah. line. All there, you look at the Rockies' top five seasons by ERA plus. Guess how many times they've made the postseason? Four. Yeah, all those times. Wow. So they've got oh, them, all five. All five of them. There you go. Got a pitch. So got a thank pitch. you, thank you so much, Goody. We appreciate you jumping into, especially with breaking news. That's twice now the Pujols stuff and the A's stuff kind of coming Love out it. right before we. So we appreciate that previewing the series. Have fun watching what we hope is some good baseball out there. Taking in. Uh, some of these star players coming to town for the first time. Uh, we really appreciate it. Like we said, everybody, make sure that you're subscribed to the Drew Goodman podcast on your podcast app. You don't want to miss. Go back and listen to the John Gray stuff and the Mark Sweeney stuff. If you know Mark Sweeney is, you're already in to listen. If you don't, you are in for a treat. It's just that much better. It's like it's like never having heard of the MCU and just getting to do it all right now. It's, it's like binge it. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, thank you all for listening into this one. Make sure you're following us all on social media at Patrick B. Lines, at Drew Goodman 42, at Drew Creaseman, and of course at DNVR underscore Rockies. Get on the TikTok, did the top 10 Rockies of all time the other day. I'm pretty sure we objectively nailed it and there will be zero debate about the exact positioning of each one of those players. Uh, so thank you all. Remember to subscribe, of course, to the DNVR.com for all the written content and all the discounts and the free shirt and the holistic stick and all that other stuff. Just keep being absolutely awesome out there. We promise to continue being absolutely Patrick Lyons and the Drews Goodman and Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.